broadcasting around the entire world. From Austin, Texas. Via Simplecast. And supported by listeners like you. Bitcoin billions seller trading mining markets by sharing books millions fights wise. Keeping you up to date on everything crypto. Welcome to Thriller News. Now here is your host, Carl Gonzalez. Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls from around the world. Gather around, it's time for another episode of Thriller News. Today is February 17th, 2020. I'm Car Gonzalez, and we are talking about ETH Denver 2020 is one of the largest Ethereum hackathons and conferences in the United States and just happened to be our crypto top story. Crypto top stories. Yes, that's right. ETH Denver 2020. There were thousands of developers this past weekend in Denver, Colorado to participate in one of the largest Ethereum hackathons and conferences in the United States. While there was a wide variety of teams building projects spanning across multiple use cases, decentralized finance, that's right, your favorite word, DeFi, and above all else, we had the heavy hitters there. That's right, Vitalik Buterin was there. We had uh, Mr. Joe Lubin was there. We had Michelle Monahan of MyCrypto.com. And we also had Caitlin Long, as well as Eric Voorhees. And then not to mention the many other projects that happened to show up. And if that wasn't enough, there were buffalo unicorns out there or buffacorns. <laughs> Anyways, take a listen as we grab the best bits of Ethereum Denver 2020 all in a package for you. We have a lot of like Gen Z millennials in the crowd. So if you don't know, Risky Business is this whole coming of age story, right? And it's baby face Tom Cruise. His parents go to town. Shit goes down. Uh, it's an adorable story, right? And it's mostly adorable because Tom Cruise is like literally 21 years old. And I don't know. He gets away with stuff. Like he gets in trouble, but he gets away with stuff. And the reason he can get away with this stuff is mostly because he's sort of like this underdog, like, and he just can't catch a break, and you just feel for him the entire time. And I kind of think of crypto as like this story, because we get away with a lot of stuff when we probably shouldn't. Like, we refuse to learn from our past mistakes. Uh, really, really, we don't. Uh, we refuse to learn how to make our smart contracts secure. And yet, like, okay, you know, it's adorable. But I think that if we want to grow up, uh, if we want to have a coming of age story rather than like a, I don't know, fall flat on our face story, we should probably not rely on being adorable to get away with uh, all the risky business we engage in. Buffacorns around a herd of, of buffacorns? It was a stampede, stampede of, of buffacorns. Right. buffacorns is exactly the quote. Coming into the space. So I guess two-part question, what exactly is a DeFi Bufficorn? Can we refresh us on that? And then what are the what are the implications of that? And what do you mean by economic bandwidth means? Sure. So um, I was referring to 
the many more naive, unaware Bafakorns that are uh, in the mountains that. The, the ones on the, top you of the peak even, still? Yeah, you haven't even We haven't tamed yet. them yeah. yet? Helicopters have not even uh, flown over them and photographed those buffacorns. We have work yet. to do. Exactly. So there, there are lots of buffacorns. Many of them are, are here um, that are very savvy, that understand uh, the Ethereum space, the blockchain space, the DeFi space. Um, and what I said last night was that um, DeFi right now um, is the playground, um, is the pasture of uh, so many that are technically savvy or that are um, real crypto financial nerds, uh, entrepreneurs. Um, but in a world that uh, is seeing its money systems end of life, uh, that's seeing very low interest rates, that's seeing massive asset inflation, uh, that is seeing uh, negative interest rates in, in many parts of the world, uh, we're going to see people who are uh, just pure financial nerds, legacy world financial nerds, and and more um, get much more interested in getting some yield. Seven percent yield on on Dai sounds pretty great uh, if your money is sitting in a bank account at, at essentially zero yield. And people at this event and and people out in our ecosystem are putting together things like savings accounts um, that. Uh, will automatically yield or, or tools um, that will uh, scan the entire space and, and optimize your yield for you. And so I, I really feel that uh, um, all the natural events and actions that are happening in the world due to macroeconomic forces, due to governments trying to squeeze too tightly uh, and hold on to control, they're all pushing the people in the direction of, of greater freedom, greater agency, political and economic agency. Uh, real quick, I want to say hello to my little daughter over there, four-year-old Athena. Hi, Athena. <laughs> um, I think there's going to be a somewhat more subtle effect of people owning their own assets that is maybe less appreciated than it should be. When people own their own assets, they are required forced almost to become a little bit more responsible, to understand what they own a little bit better, to pay attention to things like finance. It is astounding that finance is so important in the world and so few people understand even the basics of it. And so I think, I think as we move to a world where people are holding their own assets, they can pay each other, they can lose their assets if they don't know what they're doing, uh, and they can screw up a smart contract and you know $100 million gets lost. That requires a certain degree of personal responsibility that I don't think has been in finance for a very long time. And I think that will have ripple effects around uh, culture far broader than just in finance. And uh, most of us probably hoped that we would have the value of the ecosystem be where it is today. But uh, probably a lot of us wouldn't have bet money on that a long time ago. Uh, and, and yet here we are. It tears down borders. It tears down intermediaries. It tears down friction. It solves real, real world problems in addition to empowering people. And uh, allows I mean, the financial sector is a huge drain on society. It, uh, the fact that it takes so long to clear a payment means that companies have to keep cash on their balance sheet that they're not otherwise deploying in their business just waiting until their payment's clear. That's a, that's a huge deadweight loss, and nobody's ever thought about how to do it differently. And we can do, we can, we can do that differently and, and free up businesses from the noose around their neck.
I think uh, the DeFi applications that are going to see the most users are the simplest ones. Like, if you're holding DAI or, like, actually no one should hold DAI. Everyone should, like, everyone who's holding DAI should hold CHAI instead because it comes with the uh, interest rate and you're still, it's still inside of the same platform. But, like, if you're, like, then it feels like you're holding a token and it barely feels like you're using an application. But you are using an application and, you know, lots of people are using, like, DAI for different kinds of things. So... I expect in, in the future as well, and the applications that have the most users also to just keep being the simple ones. So stable coins, other kinds of synthetic assets, um, decentralized exchanges, a lot of, uh, of similar things that what we, that uh, kind of what we have today. Um, though in, there's things, like, I don't think there's anything that kind of completely doesn't exist today that I hope starts existing. I think the thing that I hope for is just ver things that are similar to things that exist, but that try to kind of reduce a lot of the kind of complexity and the centralization that we see right now. Like, there's you know, concerns that some people have raised around like maker governance and like how much MKR you need to kind of take over that mechanism. For example, there's concerns around just like relying on kind of three smart contract platforms one after the other, and are you kind of tripling your smart contract risk? There's concerns about like do any of these uh, decentralized oracles actually work? And you know, I definitely hope that we see more improvements in kind of that kind of risk minimization. You know, it's if privacy is part of DeFi, then I would also hope for more improvements in privacy as well. Um, if smart contract wallets are part of DeFi, I hope to see more smart contract wallets too. Mm. In December, you laid out a pretty ambitious timeline for ETH2. Mm -hmm. We're going to see Beacon later this year, I believe mm -hmm. you predicted. And then you know, next year, we could see ETH1 swept into ETH2. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you still stick to that? Do you think that's realistic? <clears throat> and I definitely think that... I mean, ETH2 has been kind of proceeding quite uh, kind of quickly and regularly the last few months. Um, so the, the next milestone that we're going to see right now is uh, probably when we get to a kind of stable multi-client test that with uh, just a substantial number of people participating in it. And over the last few months, I mean, we've been seeing a lot of kind of long-running single-client test that's we've been seeing those... Uh, Clients just do a huge amount of optimization work, like uh, increase their efficiency and kind of reduce their overhead by a factor of like more than a hundred. Um, I feel like we're weeks away from that, and then when we're there, then like it's theoretically launchable. It's just a matter of like how long we have to we we want to run it in order to reduce the the chance of security risks. And, and so, like once you have like test nets, then it is kind of de-risked in subsets, right? Because, you know, you don't really have any... Like, it's just obvious that there aren't more fundamental barriers. It's just a matter of just making sure all of the, uh, all of the bugs are fixed. And, yeah, and I'm optimistic. Um, now, then, obviously, after proof-of-stake, we have sharding, and then sharding, like, that's a less tested, and it's the sort of thing that kind of no blockchain has really gone before. Like, you, you, know, you don't really have yet kind of large-scale blockchain networks that don't have kind of single nodes that have all of the data. And you know, it's been kind of solved on a kind of theoretical level, but it obviously needs to be solved on a practical level. I mean, we're hoping for next year, but we'll see. But I mean, at the same time, also, 
we have been seeing other scaling solutions emerge other than the whole these two direction. And, like, and I specifically mean roll-ups, right? And like, over the last six months, we've seen this big move from uh, Plasma and uh, you know, thinking about these kind of pure layer twos to kind of largely thinking more about these kind of hybrid layer twos where you do um, computation off-chain, but you keep the data on-chain. And it turns out that with that combination, it's just much, much easier to build these uh, scaling solutions that, that just scale the EVM as it exists. So it lets you just take any existing um, application and just like run it inside of a rollup. You don't have to design your application in a different way just so it can scale. And I mean, I think that's going to put a lot, like, relieve a lot of pressure in the short term as well. And like, just to give like some statistics, like the numbers say that if everyone switched to rollups, then the transactions per second on the Ethereum chain could increase to about 2,500 which is like a factor of 100 increase from today, right? And so if that happens, then I mean, I hope that ETH2 takes, uh, gets released uh, safely, quickly, and expeditiously. But if it ends up ta like, taking even something crazy like five years, then I think just roll-ups alone are still going to give us enough uh, you know, leeway to survive until we, get, uh, until we have sharding. Yeah, it was also interesting, too, that uh, MetaMask reached 1 million users this past week. So uh, definitely doing something really good there in the Ethereum ecosystem. Way to go, guys. Congratulations on ETH Denver 2020. With that, let's get into crypto rapid fire. Crypto rapid fire, just in case you missed it. First up, ladies and gentlemen, we have, that's right, Coinbase Commerce has added DAI as a payment option. If you don't know, Coinbase has a commerce platform that now accepts DAI, and it's actually used as a checkout or a do-it-in-person point-of-sale interface. It's pretty sweet. I've actually used it more than a couple times to purchase stuff with ETH. Turns out ETH is money. <laughs> and uh, it's pretty interesting to see that they add DAI finally. And what's going to be uh, more interesting is to see if they can compete with the likes of Square. So that should be interesting. Next piece of news is two Brazilian crypto exchanges closes. Government pressure mounts. That's right. Brazil has passed legislation enabling its Department of Federal Revenue to demand sweeping fines for every unreported transaction on crypto exchanges. What, what, what? Doesn't sound right to me. But two Brazilian crypto exchanges have shut down. One called Acesso Bitcoin, and it shut down due to new legislation. One piece of legislation called the Normative Instruction 1888 makes crypto companies pay up to $360 for each transaction they don't report to authorities. And then now there's upcoming legislation which could make things harder for crypto exchanges operating in Brazil. But late Tokes, formerly called Ejuno, shuttered following threats of severe fines from the Department of Federal Revenue under a recent piece of legislation, which is, of course, that normative instruction 1888. But what does this mean for everybody else? Well, it just shows that further pressure is mounting through the country, but it hasn't really implemented any specific legislation for the cryptocurrency industry. But the National Congress of Brazil is considering several proposals that would regulate cryptocurrency exchanges that operate in the country. Three bills include one called 2303, uh, another one called 3825 and the last one called 3949. They could make things different, difficult for crypto exchanges operating in the country. But then again, it seems like it's a wild west out there in Brazil. 
for crypto exchanges. So God bless. Let's hope you, uh, you know, get on board, Brazil, please, for, for the sake of humanity. And our next piece of news looks like could Bitcoin be tax free? According to a new Trump policy, there's a possibility that it could. A senior presidential advisor has suggested that a new stimulus package include tax-free investments outside of the standard 401k exemptions. This measure is designed to boost for the stock market and could affect cryptocurrency investments. The new proposals won't be formally introduced until the fall. But we know that President Donald Trump's administration is considering new tax incentives intended to boost the stock market and allow more Americans to buy stocks, shares, and potentially cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin. But according to multiple sources who spoke to CNBC on Friday, the proposal treats a portion of the household income as tax-free for the purposes of investing outside a traditional 401k, a plan that allows an employee to divert a portion of their salary into long-term investments. Well, we'll see. But we do know right now, currently, there's a tax liability that has been a major source of concern for anyone investing in cryptocurrencies. So an investment plan to ring fence a portion of income, which would be tax free, is a potential boom for the industry. But like I see, we will we'll check to see if this is going to be accurate or not. It will also be based on your household income of 200000 per year. Uh, they'll be able to invest up to $10,000 on this tax free basis. But more on that later in the fall and our kind of late piece of news coming out of uh, the SEC. It looks like Commissioner Hester Pierce wants to give legitimate crypto projects a shot at success without running afoul of U.S. securities laws. That's right. She unveiled a uh, new proposal during a speech about a couple weeks ago at the International Blockchain Congress in Chicago, where she said crypto startups would have three year grace period from their first token sale to achieve a level of decentralization sufficient to pass through the agency's securities evaluations, including the Howey test and the famous U.S. Supreme Court assessment. But um, this would be interesting because I think this would be the first time they kind of give everybody a safe harbor, which uh, if I can remember, I did say they should have done that a long time ago. But still, three years to get yourself decentralized. Eh, Sounds like a plan. Thank you, Mrs. Pierce. And then our last piece of news, we have 40 banks apply to offer Bitcoin and Ethereum services. That's right. Apparently, there's a pass. There's a law passed in Germany, which appears to have created a rush to market with a local paper stating 40 licensed banks have applied to offer crypto custody and services. The fifth European money laundering directive, which came into effect on the 1st of January of this year, updates the law to include crypto services and in the process gives banks permission to treat Bitcoin or Ethereum or stocks or bonds or anything that offer likewise services. It allows them to very broadly, uh, in quotations, a digital representation of value that is not issued or guaranteed by a central bank or public authority. So this will give them the the law to include crypto services. It's pretty pretty meaningful, if you ask me. Uh, we have Frank Scheffler. He says of the German parliament, the high demand for crypto custody licenses shows that companies are increasingly adopting blockchain technology, but is also the result of new legislation. That passed on January 1st. Way to go, Frankfurt. That's awesome. And I think that's all we got for Crypto Rapid Fire. Kind of a lot. But with that, let's get into Crypto YouTube. Crypto YouTube. The world of Crypto YouTube. The world of Crypto YouTube. The world of Crypto YouTube.
time for crypto YouTube. Just when you thought that I was through talking about ETH Denver, well, I'm here to bring you right back to it. <laughs> Apparently on crypto YouTube, there is a video about the Buffacorn. And it's not just any video about a Buffacorn. It's a ballad. It's a song about the Buffacorn. It makes you want to hear it, doesn't it? I know the word Buffacorn. <laughs> It sounds like a beefy burger <laughs> from Denver, but no, it's uh, it's a ballad. Stick to the stick to the script, car. Check it out. The buffacorn had some hacking, hugged straight from the heart, interrupted a vlog recording, then took in some art. Schmoozed in the VIP room, selfies all over the place. Tried to go get a haircut, rocked out in the makerspace. Everywhere the buffacorn goes, they're loved. It's the spirit of the community they're made of. And the magic of the unicorn, strength of the buffalo. Listen to the call of the buffacorn in Colorado. Some talks, chilled out hard in the chill zone, did yoga like a boss. Got food from the food trucks, rode a scooter in the snow, interrupted a panel. It's the Buffa 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 Corn Show. And everywhere the Buffa Corn goes, they play. Their magic gets around us every day. That's the That's actually really, 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 really good. Way to go, Jonathan Mann. He's actually a musician. He has his own YouTube channel. I highly recommend you check it out. He uh, has a song. Looks like he did like one song per day. And um, yeah, Jonathan Mann, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, and then M-A-N-N, Man. Yeah, he even has a song about Baby Yoda. It's called Baby Yoda. Baby, Baby Yoda. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I highly recommend checking it out. But yeah, it's pretty it's pretty interesting to eat Denver 2020 is uh, one of those places where, um, gosh, it makes you want to be there. I think next year I'm definitely headed there. I have to go. Just, I just have to. I mean, buffacorns, right? And then if they have like a buffalo burger, 
<laughs> you know, right? A little bit of blue cheese, buffalo sauce, and maybe some buffalo cheese fries or something. And yeah, sounds like a good time. All right, with that, let's get into crypto Twitter. Crypto Twitter. Crypto Twitter. So, first off, I want to I want to talk about uh, ETH Denver here through Twitter. It looks like we have David Hoffman. He says ETH Denver has so many, so many. Or he's I'm sorry. He says have such an army of developers building on Ethereum. No other ecosystem stands a chance. You know, yeah, he's kind of right. They have like a they have like three cafeterias full of just developers. It's crazy. Uh, we have Lauren Erzerati. He says, ETH Denver is insane. I'm in the middle of watching 2,000 people build new effective ways of governance and finance, and it's absolutely mind-boggling. Uh, we have uh, Joseph Lubin. He said, I spoke at the first night of ETH Denver to welcome new devs to the Ethereum space uh, from DeFi to improve developer tooling. There's never been a more exciting time to join the community. Uh, they even have like a daycare <laughs> at ETH Denver this year and a yoga studio. Uh, there's a couple of time lapses on crypto Twitter. Uh, Eric Voorhees said, C is for consensus. Governors of Colorado and Wyoming, plus Vitalik and a giant bufficorn read about decentralization to the next generation of children at ETH Denver. Keep crypto weird. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And then, you know, what's funny is as soon as you have something like that going on in the Ethereum ecosystem, you have the Bitcoin Bitcoin Twitter have to chime in, right? And sure enough, Charlie Lee, he says, this is why I don't believe in DeFi. It's the worst of both worlds. Most DeFi can be shut down by centralized party. So it's just decentralized decentralization theater. And yet no one can undo a hack or exploit unless we add more centralization. And he says, so how is this better than what we have now? I don't think it's actually better, Charlie. I think it's just a step in the right direction. Um, and there's not anybody else doing it. <laughs> I mean, you got to think about it. Like, who are we going to depend on? Tron <laughs> to lead the way? Yeah, right. It's going to have to come from really smart young people who want to change the world. And, and that's uh, the Ethereum ecosystem. Sorry. Bitcoin has the digital gold of the 21st century. Ethereum has the oil. All right, let's jump into Coin360. So today we're looking at a hundred, I'm sorry, no, not a hundred. What are you looking at, Car? 284 billion, that's right, 284 billion dollars, fiat dollars of coin market cap. We have Bitcoin at 97.19. It dropped down to 94 today. Uh, we have Ethereum at 267, XRP at 29 cents, Bitcoin Cash at $405, and the coin we do not mention, $306. If we look at our 24-hour change, on the green, we have V.Systems at $0.05, cents, up 18%. A-E-L-F, ALF, F, at $0.13, cents, up 15%. We have Golem, oh, snap, coming from back from the dead another time at $0.07, cents, up 15%. We have Engine Coin at $0.13, cents, up 13%. And Decentraland, whoa, way go, up 14% at $0.06. Cents. We would look at our 24-hour change on the red. We have Bitcoin, the coin that will never die <laughs> and down nine percent at four yeah it's worth nothing a crypto.com coin who's buying that at seven down seven percent at five cents we have rent coin at six cents down four percent we have mco coin 
at $5.49, down 4%. Crypto.com coin, that's funny. That, that's like shield on every podcast, but this one. You're welcome, listeners. Because <laughs> I remember at one time it was like a dollar something. Gosh, man. How are people? Yeah, it's just crazy. Okay, with that, let's get into the end of the show.
ladies and gentlemen. The Thriller News is done. Thank you so much for listening. If you guys enjoyed what you heard, make sure to hit a five-star review on iTunes. That really helps us a lot. If you want to check out more of what we got going on, head over to ThrillerX.com. That's right, ThrillerX.com for all our past episodes and to uh, get even more of me, Carr, posting some stuff about the space. And then also... Make sure to check out, we have an episode later this week where we're talking to Daniel P. Simon of the book, The Money Hackers. That's right, by Bitcoin. See the world. See you next time. This is the end of the show. You have been listening to Thriller Podcast with Carr Gonzalez. Remember, Thriller Podcast is not financial advice. Everything Carr said likely won't come true. It is up to you. Now go, do your own research. Listen to other dudes that start their name with crypto. And not hard. And remember, buy Bitcoin and save the world. One Satoshi at a time. <laughs>